Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, the Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and joined here once again from his Thanksgiving vacation. As we record this, it's my brother, Dustin. Hello. Went south of the border, down Mexico Lane. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not singing, but you can't really. Do. It was. It was nice. It was hot, but overcast, so I didn't get cooked like a lobster as I usually do. Checking out the weather before trying to go to the Rockies Astros in April. 2024 they're playing down there and not too expensive either the tickets or the travel yes <laughs> no pretty interesting with the rockies history of players from mexico that's pretty cool looking forward to to when they go go there and just you know vinnie castilla is probably going to get some honors down there Oh, yeah. And plus, the last time that they went to Mexico and Vinny had a great time, uh, it was good times for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's really cool. And I think that's that's something awesome. I think pretty much all of Latin America, I know Mexico, if they got down to, it'd be awesome. Venezuela, Colombia's got to be. But I would open it up probably not during the season, but if they do more of those, you know, like when, when, the MLB took players to Japan, you know, mm. like they had, was it like Barry Bonds or somebody, <laughs> there was a Japanese guy jumping on a trampoline to pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Just yeah. like some of that stuff and, and the exhibition games out of the season. I think that's, well, that's awesome. Like having that kind of exposure would be even better. Yeah. And that perfect segue into to what we want to talk about today, because remember back in the past they haven't done it for a while but they did like the japan u.s classic where a bunch of the team usa basically head over to to uh, japan played in some a little exhibition series i think japan won it the last time they did it but world baseball classic team usa versus team japan and that's the cool thing this time of year in the off season it's posting season for a lot of the teams over in Japan and Korea. And it's one thing we always talk, people talk about with the Rockies is that they're not really involved in that market. They don't know. I don't think they've ever really signed a posted player or they've done very little free agent work in that, in that entire market of players coming out of East Asia, but there are a little handful. And we talked about the most prominent one a couple episodes ago in Kazmatsui. Position player, perfect, had a really great year with the Rockies in 2007, a really good stint, short stint with the Rockies. But there are some other players from that side of the world that put on purple pinstripes, and we just wanted to to run down a couple of those guys, a couple of the players from Japan, a couple from Korea, and one from Taiwan, which is kind of the the outlier here. So an exciting, (laughs) looking at research, not a lot of notable stuff coming from this group. 
but still some interesting little facts coming out of these guys. Yeah, and, and that's, <laughs> one of them is is a guy that I'm like, oh yeah, he did pitch for the Rockies, and uh, you know, a couple of them I wasn't around, I wasn't in stateside when they played, mm-hmm. and so I I was like, oh, interesting, and especially <laughs> when your article when your article came out on Purple Row uh, for these guys, and and the last guy that we'll touch on the one from Taiwan, he's like really the only player that the Rockies have gone out and signed yeah. on an amateur contract. But it it's interesting because Denver actually has a long history of of baseball with the Japanese roots, really. And you hear a lot, well, we're up in the mountains and is the Asian market really able to connect with Denver? I don't think that should matter. But uh, tons of great players throughout the history from from uh, from these countries, and it'd be cool to to see him. You know, Kaz Matsui gave us a uh, a little bit of that in his one little stint with us. But um, yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump on into him, right? Yeah, and so interesting. All these players we'll be talking about are pitchers. Kazmatsu is the only position player <laughs> that fits this demographic, which is just really interesting that I found. But a lot of good pitchers coming over from, from Japan. Those are always the hot commodity. One of the big ones here in this 2023 offseason. One of the star pitchers. One of the greatest pitchers in Japanese history, which is pretty interesting, coming over. And uh, first one that we'll talk about here, and you'll find a lot of this other info coming from a Purple Row article from me on November 29th, 2023, over purplerow.com. Uh, you can tell the brotherly love because this is what Dustin texted me. Hey, let's talk about these guys. And so we are. Well, the first one here, Masato Yoshi, pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. Didn't play very long, just one season. But uh, go ahead and give us the quick rundown on Masato Yoshi's career. All right. War number 21 um, with the Rockies. Uh, he started out with the with the Mets. Played two seasons with the Mets. Came over to the Rockies in 2000 just for one season. And then went on to play for the Montreal Expos. Uh, the Rockies pulled him over um, in a trade before the 2000 season where they traded Bobby Jones, a pitcher, and Lariel Gonzalez and brought in Masato Yoshi. He was just there for the one year, and then he was released at the end of spring training, and then he went over to the Montreal Expos. But it was just a real quick boom, um, Masato Yoshi from from Japan. And I think from our research, he is managing in Japan right now. Mm-hmm. I believe he was the pitching coach for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic. So still really involved in the game. Yeah, and it was he was it was just a real quick whoop. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice to see you. Goodbye. <laughs> it was interesting cuz doing that research, he in September of 2000, he gets bone spurs in his elbow, has to get surgery to remove the bone spurs. Rocky still resign him. Oh, following the season and immediately went to work trying to trade him away. Because like, yeah, yeah, we don't want him. Let's try and get rid of him. And they couldn't figure out anything. And so he goes through spring training with him and then they release him just because they probably couldn't find a deal or <laughs> no no takers. And so they just kind of cut their losses and you know, he dealt with some shoulder stuff after that. But yeah, <laughs> just a weird sequence of events with a uh, Yoshi as a Rocky it just comes in a quick blink and you miss it time with the team. And you always see that name. You're like, well, what? Masato Yoshi, who's this guy? Well, I, I remember when they brought him over and it was something like, oh, cool. You know, something new. Yeah. And it really, you know, looking at his career stats in the major league in, in the MLB, 
it wasn't all that great. It wasn't anything, you know, he had, he had, uh, 32 wins total, 47 losses in his major league career with the Rockies six and 15 made 29 starts. There's only 167 innings and really gave up a lot of hits and gave mm-hmm. up a lot and a lot of dingers mm-hmm. with, with yeah. quite a few walks and not enough strikeouts. It's kind of what we see nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things. Cause he comes over, he's 35 years old when he comes over to the Rockies and it was just the nature of you know, playing the majority of his career until 1997 playing in Japan. Pretty good. You no, know, having a stellar career in Japan comes over to the Mets for two years and he does okay. Does okay with the Mets, but it's one of those things um, comes over to the Rockies and just that era with that type of pitcher, that age still maybe not quite as it didn't translate as well over from Japan to MLB. And it, yeah, it's just not the most fortunate of circumstances, but not a terrible season. You no, know, f- coming in with a 5.86 pre humid era is not good, but could have been a lot worse. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what I look at 29 starts. Uh, and that was, you know, that wasn't the best of years for the, for the Rockies. He did have a home run though. Looking at his hitting stats. There you go. <laughs> so that's at least, that's at least something, but I will mm-hmm. say something too, that, that, uh, you know, looking at his, it is career overall. What, what really jumped out at me. And this is kind of a weird stat that popped out was his fielding percentage that he, mm-hmm. he, he was a very good fielding pitcher. Uh, Mm-hmm. disciplined around the mound, which I think is, mm-hmm. is something cool. Like, like all of his other stats, like, oof, not good. Oof, not good. Oof. Hey, fielding percentage. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the very least to looking at it is oh, he'd eat some innings at, at least uh, still part of that era, but 24 starts that season. He went five or more innings. You'll take that. Now, are they going to be the best innings? No, he had a lot of stinkers, but he was going to... No, three or four runs seemed to be about the average. No, around that five ERA. <laughs> when it's when in those outings, but it was just kind of interesting looking. Wasn't the best. No, it was cool that they brought him over because he had that track record of success in Japan but it just didn't translate over to the Rocky mountains and kind of a shame. Cause you, it, it's kind of a trend you'll see when we talk about these guys where they come to the Rockies and it's just not a good outing. It's just not a good stint for them. Not a good place for the pitchers uh, that, that came over, which it's not exclusive to them either. Well, yeah. And I think, I think that's something that we have to remember is these ball players are human beings and especially these players coming over from Korea, Japan and whatever, almost every single time they're the only one they're them uh-huh. and maybe their interpreter or some, somebody that, that the organization finds and, and brings in. And can you imagine how lonely that is uh-huh. language? If you, if you haven't mastered English, or, or Spanish. I think of Ichiro and the way that he would mm-hmm. he would speak his Spanish. But like, there's the language gap, you know, the the barrier, the cultural barrier, uh, mm-hmm. the way things are, even the the game itself, how it's played in Japan or Korea uh, versus the the American Major League Baseball. And so, mm-hmm. you know, especially all of a sudden you're in the mountains of Colorado and tough. I can, I can see all these guys and, and I've been in situations where I was the only one of, of my culture around. And sometimes it's hard 
And when you don't have that support or it might be very lonely. And can you imagine when you're in a bad streak, who's there to bring you up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where's, where's some good food that you can go eat and make you feel like you're back home. Mm-hmm. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to see that after he leaves the Rockies, still has a little improvement with the Montreal Expos in 2001 and 2002. Now at 37 years old, finishes out his career pitching in the big leagues. And yeah, I think that's where he endowed. But it's cool. Just that brief stint. I always thought of when I heard Masato Yoshi that he pitched longer just as a career in big leagues than he did in just five seasons. Pretty short career, short career in the big leagues. He goes on, plays in Japan for several more years after he leaves the the States. So that just, yeah, that that culture and bring that in, get the Rockies kind of that first taste of it is, this is cool to, to explore and think about. And you know he's had he's had I think a, a good career post playing career, mm-hmm. uh, being with being with uh, Team Japan as a pitching coach and you know just being involved in the game. So that shows you the kind of character that he that he has and who he is and how well respected he is in mm-hmm. in the baseball world. Yeah, definitely. So that's Masato Yoshi. Pitcher for the Colorado Rockies had a 1.1 career war, according to baseball reference, in Colorado, which, hey, it's still better than a lot of other pitchers that have been in Colorado. So, way to go, Yoshi. Now, this next one that we move on to is good old Max Suzuki. This is <laughs> kind of a short one. but uh, Yeah, Max, Max Suzuki from, oh, from COVID Japan. And he was with the Rockies just for a a snap of a finger, but he made his major league debut with the Mariners back in 1996, and then played with the Kansas City Royals. Came over to Colorado, then went on to Milwaukee, back to the Royals, and that was his six years in in the big leagues. Uh, but the Rockies got him in a trade from the Kansas City Royals along with Sal Fasano and two mustache. Um, and the Rockies trade away Brent Main, the catcher for him. And Max Suzuki. What's funny, Skyler, is I remember him <laughs> listening to the games on the radio. I remember how many games did he get in with the Rockies? I think it was three. And I remember games. I remember at least one of them. <laughs> Probably a start. I, I remember Max Suzuki and thinking, oh, that isn't that like the motorcycle brand? And not good. It was not good the you know, the, the little stint that he had with the Rockies. Uh-huh. But you know that was that was my so he was one that I was like man I could specifically remember listening to his name being said on the radio, which <laughs> is crazy thing he pitched in three games made one start I think six and a third innings total is what he pitched in a Rockies uniform didn't go very well overall but I was looking this thing in kind of a crazy like little prior of his his life where apparently at the age of 16 he was <laughs> expelled from high school and his parents sent him to the US sent him to the states just like go figure your life out and so he goes he starts working with a uh, team in the California league pretty much as their laundry boy and he pitched the final game of the 1992 season and he had spent the entire season as a laundry boy. Next season, he's a full-time player with the team and <laughs> learns English, learns everything. And then 
no matures. He grows because he's in that situation. Got to fend for himself. Grows and then eventually, uh, in I think after 1993, leads his little team and saves. And then the Mariners sign him to a amateur professional contract. And then that begins his his little career in the big leagues. But just a crazy story with just his his life. And then you know it goes on more stuff about you know, with his family and earthquakes hitting Kobe Japan and other stuff in the 90s but dealing with his shoulder injuries and just kind of moving around in the minors before he can well, crack through into big leagues and have his little career. And like it, like I said, it's always, you know, what are the stories behind just the baseball player? Uh-huh. You know, the life <clears throat> that's and That's a, that's a crazy, crazy story. He's down in uh-huh. San Bernardino, California. And, the Mariners take notice. Hey, this guy can, this guy can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And he was just the third Japanese player to play in the major leagues and the first pitcher in the American league. So <laughs> pretty interesting. Like you think of just the history that you no, know, a lot of these guys were making in those early two thousands and the nineties, early two thousands of the players coming over and they're making history as you no know, breaking ground. And setting forth a path for the Otanis that later come, the Ichiros, and guys after. You know, and the the these ball players from Japan, I think in in my generation at least, when we think of the Japanese players, Hideo Nomo, mm-hmm. the only no hitter at Coors Field, and <clears throat> that he kind of for you know for me watching basically he like set the bar up here the 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 timing and his wind up the pauses that are very common in those Japanese ball players wind ups and things and that it's really interesting to hear about Max Suzuki's path into the big leagues and it was you know 1996 he made his major league debut and mm-hmm. then there with the Rockies there in 2001 and he played you know he played around and you know, still part of Major League Baseball, you know, and professional baseball in some way until 2002 when he finally mm-hmm. retired. So that's, that's pretty, you know, pretty good length. Yeah. And it's uh, it, one of those things where it's a shame it didn't work out for him with the Rockies, 11 walks. I think I saw on that. Yes. In just six and a third innings, five strikeouts to 11 walks, three home runs. So it was just kind of a recipe for disaster. Come to Colorado and, oh, maybe his adjustment to the altitude just didn't work. He couldn't find the zone. And they they released him shortly after that third game. But it goes on, continues to play. You know, goes and plays around internationally. Goes back to Japan. Plays in Mexico. Looks like his last game of affiliated ball was in 2006 with the Chicago Cubs in AAA. Played in Mexico a ton. Played in Venezuela. It's all kinds around. Yeah, he spent the rest of his his career from 2006 to 2010 just various Latin American leagues. Had some good, had some bad success down there. So the good for him finding life after the big leagues and still kicking around and finding out a, a professional baseball career for himself. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cool. The fact that you remember him. <laughs> I do. Max Suzuki. Like, oh, cool. And he was terrible for the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope somebody listens to this. They're like, I was at that game he started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Max Suzuki, not much else to, to mention, but Dustin listened to him on the radio. So that's about the, the closest memory yes, we sir. have. <laughs> so the next one. That we move on to 
pull my list here. After Max Suzuki. Now we head to Korea. A couple of these players from South Korea. First off, a, a more notable name that went on to, to have a pretty good career, specifically with the Arizona Diamondbacks in his career, but did have a brief stint with the Colorado Rockies in Byung-Hyun Kim, pitching for the Rockies for a, a couple of years. And give us the quick little rundown on Byung-Hyun Kim. Byung-Hyun Kim, the submariner, the slinger from down below from South Korea. and guy that I always forget like wow oh yeah he was with the Rockies um but Byung-Yun Kim won a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks and played in Boston came over to Colorado for the 2005 to 2000 through the 2000 end of the 2007 season and then to Florida back to Arizona back to Florida uh, kind of bounced around there and that was that was his major league career and I always remember uh young young Kim with their Arizona Diamondbacks and you know having a couple of home runs hit off of him but they end up winning that 2001 World Series he is traded from Boston to the Rockies for Charles Johnson Chris Narvison and then he Resigned with as a free agent to the Rockies, and then they traded him in 2007 to the Marlins for Jorge Julio. Mm-hmm. So that's what uh, that's what I remember. Uh, the majority of his a lot of his career was as a, as a closer. But I remember with the Rockies, him starting a few games. Yeah, it was is that thing in his career where I think he had that preference to be a starter. He had, was a reliever a lot, but I guess necessarily didn't have the best results as a reliever at times. But with the Rockies, he he wanted to start. I think that was his thing is um, he wanted to start and he wanted to start in, in Boston and he did so there in 2004, but no, wasn't too good. He had signed an extension with them prior to that season and it just didn't work out. I think Theo Epstein it's like this was a mistake <laughs> after when they traded him. Like this sign, this extension was a mistake, and so they send him off to Colorado. And yeah, like mostly as a reliever, but 2003 worked as a starter a little more. And then the Rockies bring him over and like, yeah, here's immediate. He can be in our bullpen or he could be a starter. Like gives us gives him some flexibility. But he was this is a. Unco- not an uncommon thing for the Rockies, but he, he's kind of button heads with the Rockies a little bit about his role with the team because he, he wanted to start. He wanted to be in the rotation and the Rockies just kind of were, wouldn't commit to it, so to speak. And it sounds like Clint Hurdle you know, gave him the choice when they brought him over, like you can be in the bullpen or you know, go be a, at a point so you can be in the bullpen or go down to triple a and be in the, the starting rotation down there. No one stretch out, but then Sean Chacon gets injured there in 2005 and they're like, Oh, well you can be in the, the rotation now. And so he does, and, and it does pretty decent in that out of the rotation for that season. But that was kind of the contentious thing where he wanted to start and didn't feel the Rockies gave him, ample opportunities to to earn a spot in the rotation. Most notably 2007, Josh Fogg wins the uh wins the spot in the rotation. And he's like, "Hey, what the heck? Like you didn't give me give me a chance. I didn't get a serious opportunity to earn the spot and then they end up trading him." Drama. Oof. Man, and, and you know, the, the most memorable thing about Young Young Kim, like I said, was his windup. And he was one, you know, the downtown submariner. And, you know, he ate up a few innings, uh, pitching wise. But 
I can imagine with all that drama and, you know, you want something, but the rest of the team, you know, the, the management doesn't, how much mm-hmm. friction that can cause. And also the other thing with, with the way, you know, pitching at altitude and with a, you know, a funky windup like that and the arm angle that how consistent is it going to be mm-hmm. in having, getting it on point? Cause it's, I don't know. I think, you know, that having the submarine, like it's almost like you're giving the rise ball. So it's going up into the zone. And not, mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't gas it past anybody. It was all about movement. And, you know, either it's going to be just down into the dirt, hitting a guy, or it's coming right up into the, into the wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at his time with the Rockies. So he had about 136 walks to 246 strikeouts. So not terrible, not a terrible split, but basically two strikeouts for every walk. More or less. But yeah, it's thing where he just didn't, the desires didn't line up. And that 2007 season, he started the year off with an injured thumb. Uh, After he lost his rotation spot, he's like, I want to trade. But then he gets injured, so they put him on the injured list. And he felt his rehabilitation was too long. Like, yeah, this is longer than necessary. Changed his agent to Scott Boris to try and accelerate a trade. <laughs> like, he couldn't get out of there fast enough. Like, and it's we see with other Rockies that have that have you no know, had a beef with front office personnel and everything, and that's going to happen. But. And so it's it's a shame that things kind of went that way because you know, the 2005 season was pretty decent, 4.86 ERA over 40 games, including 22 starts, 148 innings, had a 115 strikeouts to 71 walks. So you know, prone to some long balls, but still a solid season for a back of the rotation type of guy. But but luckily, it didn't last too long. But his his actually his playing career continued on for yeah. well after his time with the Rockies. Going, you know, he's another one that that stayed in the game uh, from the Rockies. Like we said, went to Florida, Arizona, and then he was uh, back in the Korean the the KBO. And the last recorded season that we got on there is down in the Australian League <laughs> in Melbourne back in the 2018-2019. So, mm-hmm. you know, we did pretty good in his nine innings down there. <laughs> in, in uh, Or what was it? Yeah, his nine innings um, down there in, in the Australian League. Now, he does have some historical things to his time with the Rockies, specifically there in 2006. Where in May 22nd, 2006, he faced a former teammate, a former high school teammate who was with the Dodgers. And it was the first game in which two Korean pitchers started against each other in Major League history. They both had quality starts, but I think the Rockies lost that game. (laughs) About a week later, May 28th, he gives up Barry Bond's 715th home run to pass Babe Ruth. So Byung Yun Kim gives up the home run that surpassed Babe Ruth. Well, after a three-minute delay, Kim struck out the next two batters and pitched five in the third innings to collect a win. So he came out on top in the end. Yes, sir. Uh, Then later that year, July 28th, had five consecutive strikeouts against the Padres, tying the Rockies' record for consecutive strikeouts. In four different starts, he recorded nine strikeouts, and he became the only pitcher in Major League history to pitch shutout wins in consecutive starts at Coors Field. So it must have been the first, at least, by beating the Oakland A's and then the Texas Rangers. So put his name in the history books in some ways. But yeah, that's what I always remember is 
Young Kim, Diamondbacks pitcher, pretty notable one. And then you always forget, you see his name, like, oh man, he was a Rocky. But but must have been it was like right before I really started paying attention there in 2007. And so it was interesting to see the guys that were just off the cusp of that 2007 run. Yeah. And for me, anybody that played in 2004, 2005, and like halfway mm-hmm. into 2006, no clue. And so <laughs> he was one I was like, oh, yeah, Byung Young Kim. <laughs> but went on to have solid career, but I'm sure he's not coming to any uh, Rockies reunions anytime soon. Uh, let's. No, who knows? Maybe he would over time. <laughs> time heals all wounds. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Byung Kim. Pretty interesting. But player coming over from Korea. Pretty cool. There's another one that we traded for from Boston. So worked out. Solid little two years. And then things fell apart. Relationship wise. But that'll move us on here. <laughs> Moving on to the next one, which pitched with with Young and Kim in 2005. And that's Sun Woo Kim, who pitched for the Rockies there in 2005. I believe 2006, kind of in that era. Also pitching around that same time and pretty interesting where I believe they set up a another kind of major league record in the history books as the first two pitchers with the same last name to start both games of a doubleheader. So pretty interesting, but give us a quick little rundown on Sun Woo Kim and his career. All right. Well, Sun Woo Kim also from South Korea with the Rockies. He was number 51 and played for them. And he was picked up off waivers from the nationals there in 2005 and played the 2005, 2006 season, uh, part of the 2006 season just a little with the Rockies and then went on to Cincinnati, but he made stops in his major league career with Boston, the Montreal Expos nationals, then Colorado and then the Reds. Um, just a real quick, real quick career um, with them. And he was sent to, he was sent to the Reds at the end of the 2006 season as part of a conditional deal. And so they, you know, shipped him over and that was it. But Sung Woo Kim, he played all the way um, after Cincinnati. He was down in AAA Fresno in 2007 for the Giants system. And then he went back to Korea and played till 2014 mm-hmm. in the Korean League. <laughs> so that was, you know, from, from 1998 to 2014. 17 seasons in uh, making his major league career other than his baseball career. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's another one of those, like, I don't really know who he is. It was fun looking in that research for his, his stint with the Rockies, where it was a really just brief flash in the pan, where 18 games in total over those brief two seasons parts of those two seasons. But 2005, he wasn't awful when the Rockies acquired him. 4.22 ERA in 12 games, made eight starts, 53 in a third innings, 38 strikeouts, 13 walks, seven home runs allowed, a 1.294 whip. So all things considered, wasn't terrible in that when they initially came over from the, uh, I guess the Washington Nationals at that point, <laughs> they were no longer the Expos, but comes over from the Nationals there in 2005, and I think more or less just to eat up some innings there. Because 2005 was a pretty awful season for the Colorado Rockies. And luckily, neither of us paid attention to it. <laughs> but then the next year, it just falls apart in seven innings. Another one of those things, eight walks to four strikeouts, 15 runs on 17 hits, 
So uh, didn't turn out too well, despite what had been a eh, solid, if average, career up to that point. But one last thing that we'll we'll mention here on Sun Woo Kim. Uh, he did pitch a complete game shutout against the Giants in 2005, a 6-0 victory. So there you go. Wish I was around to see it. <laughs> One last thing for him. And then went on to have that rest of that career over in the KBO and everything. So but yeah, another flash in the pan type of guy. Traded for him. Wasn't <laughs> a game changer for them but ate some innings down the stretch. But speaking of guys eating some innings, being effective down the stretch, uh, in 2018, this is the most recent one for the Rockies, making a trade notably controversially was pretty much their only significant trade in 2018 when they were in the hunt for their first division title in franchise history. There were still plenty of problems, plenty of players they could have gone after on the market. But instead, they go and get one reliever in Sung Wan Oh. Got him from the Toronto Blue Jays. And decent little stint with the Rockies, at least that 2018 season. But uh, give us the quick rundown on O's career. It's pretty short. It is very short. Another um, right-handed pitcher from South Korea. Wore number 18 for the Rockies when he came over. Uh, he pitched, started out in 2016 with the since the St. Louis Cardinals and then went over to Toronto and then was traded over to Colorado. Uh, and then that was, that was it for his, his MLB uh, statistics. Now the Rockies, like you said, they gave up quite a bit for him and it left a lot of people scratching their heads. Uh, where the Rockies traded some minor league prospects, Chad Spanberger, Forrest Wall, who's probably the biggest one out of that, and then Brian Baker um, to the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Rockies ended up releasing him in July of 2019. Uh And and that was it. Uh, You know, he he will go down for the Rockies, having one of the coolest nicknames when we talk about player nicknames. And... One of them, the one that I liked was the the final boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. His nickname being a closer in Korea, you know, the, <laughs> pretty sweet. The final boss coming in to close out a ball game. But he slotted into the back end of that bullpen, became you know, more of the setup guy to Wade Davis there in 2018, and 25 games. With the Rockies, 2.53 ERA there in 2018. So 21 in the third innings. 24 strikeouts to 7 walks. Just 3 home runs allowed overall. And well, it, it was a good first step. They just <laughs> He wasn't the end-all, be-all. Was he wasn't the player that was going to push them over the edge to take down the Dodgers, win the division. Because if maybe if they do more, they win the division. They don't go to a game one sixty three. They then face the Atlanta Braves in the in the division series instead of having to go to Milwaukee on that weird or having to go to play the Cubs in the wild card and then go to Milwaukee in the space of like three days, three different time zones over four three or four days. But then maybe they go to Atlanta, a team which they had had better track record against that season. Too many what ifs. But he, O was all they got. Their line and a good pickup just wasn't enough. And then it didn't pan out the following season where he dealt with an abdominal strain. No, I think a month into the season, a couple months into the season, didn't pitch very much. And then lands on the injured list. And then they trade him, they release him a year to the day they had acquired him. They released him. And that's what was hard. And, he really did not look comfortable, you know, going into that second season <clears throat> with him. And, you know, he, after that stint with the Rockies in 2019, he went back over to Korea and there is 
Um, went and still pitched this last season, mm-hmm. pitching pitching for Samsung, and still yeah. doing his thing. Because when you look at when you look at his career stats, not too bad for that mm-hmm. setup reliever spot that he's always been. Yeah, uh, and one of the cool things that came along with him, you know, and some of the MVPs for a lot of these players in baseball that come over, you know, was their interpreters. And I remember oh, the Rockies kind of you know, highlighting his interpreter uh, was over with him. And you know, when you're trading for a guy, you're basically trading for two people because you're bringing over their interpreter with them. And so maybe you know, in some of those trades, you have to increase a little bit more because you got to bring over their interpreter and everything. But I can't remember some of the highlights, just a cool interpreter that came along with him and Oh, they're their friend. They're their <laughs> basically their brother, their partner in crime, and everything they do. But Which I, that, that's a job that I I think I would love to have. Getting to be at the ballpark every day and and interacting, you're pretty much just their second voice, their second voice, uh, translating, getting into the, all the interviews, and just being part of it. And how valuable those guys are, you know, mm-hmm. to the to the whole experience. <laughs> it's uh, just in a research uh, seven years ago, a video uh, from the Cardinals, or maybe it was on te- intent. It must have been an intentional talk or something. But a video of someone with the Cardinals tries out his English. <laughs> but yeah, there's hired the Cardinals hired his translator. And then I think that translator then just continued on with him through his career here in the, here in the States and everything. So it's kind of cool. And I I was excited when they picked him up. He's like, yeah, a good reliever. Yeah. It's probably a little overpriced of what we paid for him to bring him over, but they needed a bullpen guy and he, he got the job done. And then there were hopes in 2019 and it just didn't pan out. He just couldn't do it. And then that was like a lot of things, things just went downhill from there for the Rockies in general. So it wasn't exclusive to someone else. But another one of those just flash in the plan, flash in the pan guys didn't stick around for very long and effectively ended his big league career as a Colorado Rocky. But what's good is he's had he's had a really good rebound back in the Korean League, and that's a you know he's going on he's played 19 professional seasons for him. That's you know as, as a pitcher having that longevity is is awesome. Mm-hmm. But moving on here to our last guy here from Sungwoo. One last guy coming from over from Taiwan. And like we said, this is pretty much like the only international free agent player that they've actually gone out and signed. And uh, I think we're looking at his Chinwe Sao. I think that's how we looking up how to pronounce his name. Chinwe Sao from Taiwan, of all places. And bit of a home tangly homegrown type of player Rockies brought in at a young age worked his way through the system but it gives the quick breakdown on his little career Chinwei uh, Sao number 71 with the Rockies right-handed pitcher and as I said he's their first amateur signing from Asia made his major league debut J- July 25th 2003 and Got the win versus Milwaukee. But played for the Rockies 2003 to 2005. And then kind of bounced up and down, up and down uh, after that with the Dodgers system. And he ended up, um, from what we got is, his last major league action was in 2016 as part of the Dodgers. Yeah, it was one of those <laughs> things after he leaves 
the Dodgers goes to Japan for for a while, or he just bounces around. I think party in Japan, Korea, just bouncing around, and then makes a comeback with the Dodgers. <laughs> They're a long time later. Yeah, so he ended up playing two, 12 total seasons. But he was one that, that I remember that name coming up. You know, is this guy, we've we've signed this guy from Taiwan and got a lot of got a lot of promise. And then it just never never turned into anything. Yeah. And looking at it, it was a lot of injury is what kind of hampered injuries hurt him in the minors. But there was a couple of those seasons where he was named the Rockies minor league player of the year. No, had a bright hopes and was looking good, but injuries kind of when he was healthy, it was pretty decent. But I think the injuries just kind of hampered him through his career. And you no, know, the Rockies had plans for him at times, but injuries just sapped any potential or ability to commit to him the way they probably wanted to. You know, in looking in his minor league stats, he had some some really good some really good stats, but it just never translated at the big league level. Mm-hmm. But it was cool, though, when he does make his debut, he becomes the first Taiwanese-born pitcher to ever compete in a Major League Baseball game when he made his debut. Uh, he also became the first Taiwanese, Taiwanese player to get a hit and was also the only Rockies to get a hit in that game to spoil a no-hitter, so good for him. Major his history making hit also saved them from getting no hit, so that was good. But yeah, he was that guy. He comes up, I believe, what, he makes his debut at at twenty two years old. So young, like sets you up to have a, a solid pitcher there through those tough years, kind of those lean years leading up. Generation R is coming in, and. No, could have been one of those guys like, yeah, he's going to be one of our starters of the future. It's going to lead this rotation or be a big part of it. Because now we have Jeff Francis, we have Aaron Cook, Chinway Sao, um, and other guys coming up, Ubaldo Jimenez. But he's just those injuries just sapped any production and value they could have gotten out of him. Where then he moves to the bullpen in 2004. 2005 and it just still doesn't work out too well well in 2004 pitched in 10 games but he had a commitment to the chinese taipei olympic team and so that took him away from the team he pitched in the 10 games and then he had to leave and go help chinese taipei in the (laughs) work and prep for the olympics you know and it says you know it says there also in the in that move to the bullpen, you know, being able to hit a hundred miles an hour pitching wise, <clears throat> which is, you know, something. And but then, like you said, that's where injuries start. Just shoulder mm-hmm. issues, rotator cuff stuff, and kind of took him took him out from where he was projected and hoped to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then pitches there in 2004 in the bullpen, and then they were going to make him the closer in 2005, but sidelined with right shoulder injuries that eventually required season-ending surgery, and then he missed the entire 2006 season, and so then he was going to be a free agent. They just let him walk because... Uh, couldn't afford to, to keep him around. And it was just kind of unfortunate because if he had stayed healthy, just what another nice tool to have in that bullpen going into 2007, which things worked out eventually, but just that, that lost potential of could he have been one of the great Rockies relievers or even starters in team history? We'll never know now because of <laughs> injury sapped it away. Yeah, and then post his post Rockies career, he had a lot of ups and downs uh, through throughout his career, and kind of got a little redemption there at the end with with the Dodgers. 
you know, getting back um, just for a couple of appearances, not much, um, and then finishing, you know, his major league playing career in in 2016. Yeah, but it's. Of all these players, like the potential that he had, and then they just kind of lose that, and then they've never really tried to go out and you know sign a pitcher like that from from across the sea and on the other side of the world, bring in those amateur free agents or any guys interested from over there. They just haven't really tried, which or, is kind of a shame because there's a lot of talent. Yeah, and in the like we've just said, all of these players in this episode were pitchers, but how many contact hitters Mm -hmm. come out of Japan, out of the Korean leagues that, wow, we could use guys that put the bat on the ball Mm -hmm. and put it in play. Yeah. The, the outfielder that came over from uh, Japan with the Red Sox, I just signed this, just I'm blanking on his name. Uh, it's like Masahiro. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, but him, Seiya Suzuki with the Cubs. Uh, when Shohei was coming over, pretty sure the Rockies didn't even send the like inquiry packet that they had asked from all the teams. The Rockies didn't even send it. And well, he probably wasn't going to come to the Rockies, but uh, it, it's worth putting in the due diligence of just testing the waters and you know, putting in the pitch and some that Ryan Spielborg's pretty adamant about like the Rockies should be doing more over there scouting wise and just looking into that market because there's some of the brightest stars are coming over even more so. And Shohei Otani's here. You've had Ichiro and, and they're coming over. There's more coming over. Kodai Senga last year for the Mets is now the Mets <laughs> ace in that rotation. And I guess it's just the Rockies have, committed so much money and time into the Latin American market, which is good. Like they've done a lot with that, but there's just more that they could do and expand themselves, try something new. Go get, (laughs) go get the, the Yoshinobu Yamamoto pitcher or whatever coming over from Japan. (laughs) Go get him for 200 million. Something, but you know, that's, I think it's, it's something cool at least to recognize these guys, um, you know, to represent their countries of Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and making it to the major leagues at some point and, you know, having, having their careers and the length that a lot of them had, uh, playing professional baseball is something pretty cool, but some something for a future episode or some research in the, every Rockies ever. How many former Rockies have gone then and played overseas mm-hmm. in the Korean League or the or the Japanese League? I can think of two right off the bat, but uh, you know that'll have to be something maybe we look into uh, down the line. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Every Rocky Ever. As always, we appreciate you tuning in and apologize for any weird edits or audio mix-ups. We're still always figuring out the equipment side of things. Dustin may have turned into a robot at times during this one, but. It might also just be my voice from having taught school all day. Yes. Now you're turning straight up into a static robot, but oh well. (laughs) But that's going to do it here. You can always catch us. Over at Twitter at every Rocky ever until Elon Musk burns that into the ground. But over there, and you can also find me at purplerow.com, writing weekly articles and also writing out fans for sports network, all kinds of baseball articles, Hall of Fame voting, released my I beat my internet baseball writers association of America ballot. Uh it's not an official anything, but it's part of that little organization's online Hall of Fame. But doing that and as always, you can catch Affected by Altitude, our flagship podcast, weekly on Mondays, wherever you get your podcast, over on Purple Row. or You can find that Purple Row. You can find the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the YouTube version. So feel free to subscribe, 
leave a review wherever you find this content. The support is helpful. But that'll do it here. Until next time, farewell.